Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. Soccer new America. Feature person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring my daughter. Hello! As my 10-year-old co-host, Person Noob, and we are here to, amongst other things, take you through the 10 best, most intriguing matches in the world, do mini-previews of them. And that's best and most intriguing as we define it. Yes, we're going to cover some of the matches that other podcast shows go to, but we are also going to cover far-flung corners of the footy world. If there's an important match where it's being played in some tournament or a top-flight domestic league, there's a really good chance that it is on our radar. This particular week, we are going to be covering matches from uh, Friday the 26th through Thursday, August, or no, I'm sorry, September 1st. My goodness, the summer is getting away from us. But before we do that, what everybody really wants to know about even more than the soccer is what is going on in the life and times of my little fifth grader, the real star of the show, Person Noob. Hello, International House of Noobs! (laughs) The I-H-O-N, that sounds like it could be a restaurant. What kind of food would we serve? Um, I'm not sure. You know, back in my uh, top 40 radio uh, DJing days of the 90s, uh, I pulled a prank once on the listeners where I was talking about on the overnight a new restaurant that was going to open up in a nearby town called the International House of Burritos. And the restaurant was going to serve nothing but burritos with ingredients that really didn't belong in uh, burritos, probably. They were parts of other traditional dishes from other countries in the world. That's... That that's dumb. It's not dumb, actually. Most of the uh, uh, most of the young people who called in, they were driving around trying to find the restaurant. It turns out they thought it was the greatest idea ever. So maybe someday we should start the restaurant. Yep. See, not so dumb after all. Hmm. Maybe we could franchise it and make our millions. Maybe we could put poison in it. That I don't know why we would do that. So, how's your week been going? We haven't talked to you since last episode. Pretty. Because how would we? <laughs> Pretty good. That's awesome. How's school going? Pretty good. Gotcha. Anything, anything exciting or cool going on there? I got hit in the head at lunch, and I put a and, and um, someone put a "your mean" sign on my back instead of kick me. You're mean. Well, at least you don't get kicked for that one. Are you mean? Are no. you? Are you a mean? Am I raising a mean girl? <laughs> do you want to know why they did that? Why? It's because they randomly started hitting me really hard in the head and then came over to, to where I was sitting at the at the um, lunch table and they started whacking me really hard so I got mad at them. That's why they called me mean. My goodness. It was my best friend, but I forgave her. Well, that was very, very I'm big of you. Person. Some Yes, you are. You're a good person yes. and a good person. Sometimes kids just do crazy stuff, don't they? 
Even you do crazy stuff that you don't know why you did it after the fact once in a while, don't you? I literally just did a few minutes before recording this. Mm, what was that? I acted as my favorite character while singing a bunch of songs like I was in a music video for no reason. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. And I made them a lot darker than they actually were. Mm-hmm. Do you compose any dark music on your ukulele? We've gotten some ukulele playing the last couple of episodes. Nope. No? I, I have only ever played um, two notes that were um, bad. And they're from they're from a horror song, but they're also from a really good song. I see. Now, what's the song that you were working on at your uh, ukulele slash guitar lesson today? This land is my land. Yeah, that's an old song. I remember singing that folk song even when I was in elementary school. This land is your land. This land is my land. You probably don't even know the lyrics yet, do you? I do. Oh, you do. I didn't know if the ukulele sheet music had the notes I or not. I can play the... it right now. Well, except that you don't have your verse. ukulele. Actually, do it right there. Oh, you want to get it? I can only play one verse. Well, that would be good enough. Why don't we give it a try? Ladies and gentlemen, here for your ukulele amusement, as I'm going to talk while she gets it, is your favorite stringed strummer, Person Noob. And Dad's going to sing it. Well, how about you play it first? We'll see how it goes. This land is my land, this land is your land, the Redwood something, that's its own song. It, it, it goes C, and then it goes like about seven times, then you switch to F, mm-hmm. and then C, and then G, and then you just keep doing, no, no, it goes F, C, um, G, C. You know, we've uh, we've had discussions. I won't say out and out requests, but there's been discussion from uh, at least one other podcast, and uh, actually two. Come to think of it, one from church, one from the soccer world, where they might want to employ you uh, for your ukulele playing. You could be composing and uh, singing and strumming ukulele theme songs for podcasts. Maybe that could be your future career. You would be the only ukulele theme song podcast full-time professional in the world, I'm pretty sure. And and I'll have the record for being the first person to invent something. (laughs) Yep, you will be the first of your kind. And we are the first show of our kind because of the soccer that we discuss from all over the world, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's quite, that's a pretty, that's what they call that in the radio biz. It's called a segue because we're going to end this and we're going to talk about the soccer. Are you ready to help count down the matches? Oh, yeah. All right, let's get right into it with... Match number one! No Friday matches were quite intriguing enough to make our top ten, so we start stateside on Saturday. And on the women's side of the ball, the NWSL, top flight for the gals here in the States. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season. Top six will make the playoffs. Top two will get buys right through to the playoff semifinals. And there is quite a race going on for those top two spots. Number one, Portland Thorns. That's what we're going to look at. And they're playing host to current second place, San Diego Wave. But there is a three-way tie on points in the table. Maybe the best race in the world going of any league right now. Portland lead by 10 on goal differential. And then San Diego, they lead Houston Dash by just one on goal differential. Worth noting that Portland Thorns, at the time that I scouted this, they have uh, a match in hand on both teams, so it is advantage Thorns. When the two teams played earlier this season, San Diego managed a 2-2 draw at home. 
You can catch this edition on Paramount Plus, 10.30 p.m. Please note that that is Eastern time, even though it is a West Coast game. Portland, the Thorns, will talk about them first, as hosts, as is our tradition. Last year, they won the regular season. Good on them. But they bowed out in the playoff semifinals. They have won the playoffs twice, took home league titles in 2013 and 17. This year, the offense has been really humming. They're number one in that regard, two and a third goals per match. Defense is top three, so they've got the number one overall goal differential by just over a factor of two. Uh, They've got tied for the second-best league scorer, going with 11 in Sophia Smith, forward, just 22 years old. Yes, she's already earned 21 NT caps just the last couple of years. And then tied for number one in assists, a gal I'm a little less familiar with by name, Yasmeen Ryan, midfielder, but she played for one of my more favorite colleges, a place I almost went. She played for the TCU Horned Frogs, or as I think they should change it to, the Horny Toads, just because it would be funnier. To me, anyway. And then tied for number one in clean sheets. She's been near or at the top in this particular stat all season long. Bella Bixby, the Thorns' current form. They had been unbeaten in 11 before a recent 3 1 loss at North Carolina Courage. Now, you know, the road is tough, but boy, they must have fallen asleep for that one because the Courage have not been good this year by and large. And now the Wave, your expansion team, and yet vying for the title in year one. Their offense is okay, but their defense is where their bread is buttered. They're giving up less than a goal per match, and they're tied for number one in the league in that regard. And they do have the second-best goal differential, of course, going. Number one league scorer with 12 last I saw was Miss Alex Morgan. On the assist leaderboard helping set her up, Katie Johnson has three. She's an American-born gal who actually reps for the Mexican women's national team. And up and coming uh, power. They've got a long ways to go to catch up with the uh, U.S. women's national team, but here's the hoping that uh, Katie can help give them some competition in the coming years. She was with Chicago, the Red Stars, three years before coming over here. And then top four goalkeeper in terms of clean sheets, she's got five. Kaylin Sheridan, your usual starting goalkeeper for the Canadian women's national team. She's got 25 uh, caps since 2016, in fact. And New York, New Jersey, Gotham, or uh, back at the time, probably Sky Blue. I believe they changed names while she was there. She spent five years with them. Team's current form, well, they just beat Houston 3-1. That was a really important one. And perhaps even more importantly for them, that snapped a two-match losing streak. Match number B. That's right. Number B. So much more coot than that nasty old bathroom talk that is. Number two, listen to it in action. Match number B is a Saturday match that takes us north of our border to the Premier League of Canada, which according to Kick Algorithms, a site that I really like and trust, is currently the seventh best league in our region. Top four teams are going to make the playoffs. They're about three quarters of the way through the season. And you can catch this, by the way, on Fox Soccer Plus, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. And why wouldn't you? Their race is just as good as the NWSL one we were just talking about. We've got for this one, number one, Atletico Ottawa, taking on number B, Forge FC. The series between these two recently, it's been all Forge in the very recent uh, history of this league in general, and they've got a 7-1-1 and record against Ottawa. This season has been a bit of a strange one. They both got road wins. They play a quadruple round robin in this league, by the way, because they've only got eight teams. Forge won on the road, nil four. Ottawa has beaten... Uh, uh, Forge on the road, nil one. And then the other time that they played at Forge, uh, they only managed a 1-1 draw. Ottawa currently lead the table by three, 
but Forge have two matches in hand. Plus, you've got Pacific and Calvary, one and two points back, respectively. So, And then there's a big gap. So it's going to be a four-horse race, but an incredibly exciting one. That's a lot of teams to be right up there this late in the season. Ottawa, very young club, even younger than this league itself. They were founded in 2020 by, in case Atletico sounded weird, Atletico Madrid. Now you know why they carry that monitor. Uh, the professional team in this town used to be the Ottawa Fury. They most recently played in the USL Championship, but they dissolved the year before. They're currently playing at TD Stadium, which for footy purposes has a capacity of about 4,500. Multi-use stadium. They can actually expand that to 24,000. Here's the hoping if they stay in the title race that they'll be forced to just by the sheer number of ticket sales. The last two seasons, I wonder how they did for ticket sales. They uh, weren't earning a lot of wins. Uh, They finished in seventh and eighth place for their first two. Good thing the CPL doesn't have relegation. Uh, This year, the offense, it's probably better than it has been. It's right about average. Defense is second best in the league. Goal differential, key metric I really like to look at is uh, fourth best in the league. This is not a team that I am predicting to win either the playoffs or the regular season, but nevertheless, here they are, and good luck to them for it. Top 10 score is uh, theirs in Ollie Bassett. He's netted six goals. He is an English-born attacking midfielder, actually officially reps for Northern Ireland. He's got family lineage there, but he only ever made one uh, youth national team appearance. That was back in 2016. Uh, give you a little bit perspective. Uh, he was with Pacific previously last year. And then before that, he's been toiling around with a number of uh, barely professional or maybe even semi-professional clubs. Example, his last club was in the seventh tier, which I know is not fully professional. wonder what he was doing for a day job. That would be interesting to know. Yeah, my research didn't go that far. And they've got the number one goalkeeper in the league in terms of clean sheets. He's got eight of them, Nathan Ingham. And a little bit of a USA connection for him. He played his collegiate ball at Florida Gulf Coast University. Team's current form, they won two straight, straight. And their last one was a huge nil three road win at Calvary that we were just talking about. But now your uh, traditional, if a league so young can have, uh, be said to have much tradition, power, the Hammers of Forge FC, founded in 2017. They play out of Hamilton, which is way in the deep southwest part of the greater Toronto area. Uh, It's got about three quarters of a million people in their metro. Uh, They won the playoff title in 2019 and 2020. They also won the regular season last year. And in fact, if you follow the international ball, you will, might remember that in the CONCACAF Champions League, yeah, they got that far, and they made the round of 16. Quite impressive for such a young team. They've got the number one offense in this league by far, scoring over two goals per match. Number one defense, only giving up one, and their goal differential is more than five times better than anybody else. Look, I want it to be a good race, but these are your victors in rating. And some, until somebody knocks the uh, the crown off the king, it's going to be on their collective head. They've got the second best leading scorer with 10 in Wubens Passius. I love that name. Forward, 21 years old. He was July's player of the month for the league of Haitian descent, if you're wondering about the name. And he came up with uh, Club de Foot Montreal's Academy. And then tied for number three in assists, Tristan Bourges forward, 23 years old. He came up with Toronto, and then he also played over in the Netherlands. 
uh, as a kid with a club called Herenveen. And in fact, he made it back to that general part of Europe. He played for a Division II club in Belgium within the last couple of years called P.H. Leuven. Kind of an interesting little history for him. And then they've got the second best goalkeeper as well in Tristan Henry with seven clean sheets. Team's current form, they've lost two straight keeping this uh, league race alive, uh, league race alive, and those losses snapped a six-match win streak. Match number three. We move on to Sunday, and here's where we sort of prove our mission statement, so to speak. We are not afraid to go to any league, no matter the size, no matter the popularity, if it's a top-flight domestic league or a big tournament. As we said in the intro, we're going to go there. Our third match of the podcast, we had to Belarus, their Premier League, were there a little bit more than halfway through the season. This is a somewhat below average league over in Europe. They're ranked number 38 out of, I believe, 55 league associations in the country. Puts them right behind one of the summer leagues, Ireland, give you a little perspective. As such, they get the minimum amount of UEFA international tournament bursts. Their champion will have to start in uh, the first qualifying round at best of the Champions League. And then their second and third place teams will start all the way back in the first qualifying round of the Europa Conference League next year, the tertiary club tournament. Your matchup, we talked about them, I believe, in a route of the week recently, B-A-T-E Borisov, and they are taking on a much tougher opponent this time, number B, Shakhtar Salagorsk, if I'm pronouncing it right. I realize that G may be an H because Salahorsk is also a traditional spelling, I believe, in either Russian or Belarusian. Anyway, B-A-T-E, they currently lead in the table by three on goal differential. They are tied on points. They both lead Energetique BGU Minsk by one point. And by the way, both those teams have a match in hand against the very traditional power in this country the last decade or so, BATE. When the two played earlier this season, BATE won nil one on the road. And they have absolutely dominated. I told you they were the power. BATE have accrued a 15, 14, and 4 record against uh, Shakhtar in recent seasons. And we'll talk about the host first playing out of Borisov, or if you prefer the Belarusian, Berisov, which is in the north central part of the country, city of about 150,000 people. Their arena holds about 1,300 Borisov arena. They use the Russian spelling for that one. They have won 15 league titles. They won 13 straight through 2018, so it's only been the last three years plus that they have really had any competition. They have never been past uh, the Champions League group stage, but they did most recently get there in 2015-2016. I think I can say with relative confidence they are the only Belarusian team that has made the group stage. This year, they bowed out of the Europa Conference League in the second qualifying round against Turkish club Konyaspor. Last year, they finished runners-up in the league, looking to retake their crown. This year, number one offense, they're scoring almost two goals per match. Defense is excellent as well, so they do have the number one goal differential. They've got top 10 score. They get their goals from all over the place, but the guy who's doing it a little bit more than everybody else for them is Stanislaw Adrahun, midfielder, veteran, 34 years old, who's got 68 national team caps. I believe he... Uh, decided to retire from international play, or they stopped calling him up in 2020. Recent form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three. And now, Shakhtar Solohorsk. They are known as the Miners, which is actually what Shakhtar means, or the Moles, if you prefer. Kind of a cool one. They are in the uh, central, sort of south-central part of the country. It's a city of well hundred, uh, well, uh, well over 100,000, but not quite as big as Barisai, I don't believe. 
partially because it's one of the youngest cities in the country. They only started building it in the late 50s and it only uh, received city status in the mid-60s. Nevertheless, this team has won three titles and they are your two-time defending champions. Uh, They haven't finished below number three in the league since 2009. Uh, This year, they entered and lost in the Europa Conference League's third qualifying round, and that was after they had lost in the Champions League in the first qualifying round. They've never quite gotten to the group stage in the Europa League, but they've gotten really, really close. That's where they've had their most international success. The offense is a bit above average, but the defense is simply sensational. They've only given up 10 goals in 17 matches. That gives them the second-best overall goal differential. They've got three players with five goals, or I should say they had three players. They are now down to two. One of them recently, Dembo Darbo out of Ghana, one of their forwards, he moved over to United Arab Emirates team All Nasser. They must have offered a pretty decent price. Team formed for them recently. They have won two straight matches. Match number four. We're going to remain on Sunday and flip back over to the women's side of the ball. Let's head northward and say hello to the ladies of the Damos Venskin, the top flight in Sweden. It is ranked number five in Europe. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season. Two of the teams will get to start in the second round of the Champions League, the very four best teams in all the continent. They'll get to start in the group stage, I believe. And then they will also send a team into the Champions League first round. Your matchup, number one, Rusengard taking on number B, Linkupings. Rusengard currently leading the table by two. Linkupings, in turn, lead Christian Sands by one. All three of these teams are going to make the Champions League, quite frankly. Nobody else is close. So really it's a question of can you avoid having to play in that first round? Because in the first round of the Women's League, you actually have to beat two teams to advance to the second round. They do little bracketed tournaments. When they played earlier this season, it was a shootout. We're hoping for another one. Those are fun. Rosengard got a road win three to four. As far as the recent series between these two, uh, fairly even. Rosengard have had a little bit the better of it with a 4-3-2 and two record. They play out of the city of Malmo. Rosengard, from which they get their name, of course, that was a city district. It ended up merging with something else, but it translates to Rose Ward, which means it was probably or is really, really fancy or Really, really not so much so, maybe like the flowered quarter of New Orleans. Uh, This is the third biggest city, by the way, in the country, about 350,000 people. But really, it's more known for being a collective part of the greater Copenhagen, Denmark area. Yeah, they're right over the bridge. Uh, This is a really interesting city economically. They used to be a shipbuilding area and had a lot of other heavy industry. Then they went through a decline. But then the, and I'll mispronounce it, I'm just going to skip it. It starts with an O. Uh, The big bridge was built to uh, connect them better with Denmark and Copenhagen specifically. And that helped bring in a lot of industry and a lot of jobs. But a lot of those jobs are being filled by non-Swedes. You're getting a lot of people coming over from Denmark. So I believe the unemployment rate in this city is something still like 20% officially. Just fascinating though. The football they do very well at. They have won 12 modern top flight league titles. They are your defending champions, and they've won the majority of the titles all in the last decade. Uh, They're in the Champions League right now. They're about to start playing in the second qualifying round. Last year, they bowed out during the first qualifying round. They won their first game, but then lost in that little bracketed final that I mentioned. Uh, 
They made the semifinals in 2003, 2004, best they've ever done. Uh, they're usually out like right about the quarterfinals or round of 16. They've got the number one offense going. They get exactly, I believe, three goals per match. Their defense, if you look at the ordinal ranking, you might think it's a bit of a bugaboo. They're uh, only within the top five is all, but they give up less than a goal per match. It's not a very high-scoring league other than at the very top of the table. Tied for second best in league scoring is Olivia. I'm not sure if it's Sko or Show, but I do know she plays midfielder for them. She played with uh, Bayern Munich, probably the biggest club she's been with other than this one. That was all the way back in 2014. By the way, worth noting that she is also tied for second best on the team in assists. If Linko Pings can shut Olivia down, I think they've got a really good shot at getting a result. As far as Rusengard's current form, their only loss of the season was two matches ago at number eight, Patea. And now your visitors, Linko Pings. They're in the southeast part of the country, but not nearly as far south as Malmo. City of about 100,000. This is an old city and a big cultural center. Or, uh, but in addition to that, they now have a lot of new industry, uh, very cutting-edge technology companies of cutting there, and it's a big university town. Uh, something really cool if you're any, into anything military, uh, Saab Gripen fighter jets are amongst the many uh, bits of heavy industry here. Those get manufactured. Back on the pitch, last year they finished in sixth place was all. They've won three league titles, and the most recent one was uh, not all that far back, 2017. The 2018-19 season was their last Champions League appearance, and they made the round of 16. They've been as far as the quarterfinals a couple times, but no farther. They've got the second-best offense and defense going in this league, and so the second-best goal differential. Number one league score is theirs to boast of, and by almost 50%, uh, Amelie Jorgensen-Vansgaard. She has scored 14. I believe there's only one other player in the league that's got double-digit goals at all, and just barely. They've also got Alva Selarud. She has four assists, and that puts her in the top 10 in this league. And then finally, look out for Kaisa Anderson. She's got seven clean sheets, and that puts her in the top four goalkeepers in this league, which is tough to do because, again, all the goalkeepers and defenses seem to be very good. It's a low-scoring league. Team's current form, they have won five straight matches, and look out, their goal differential over that stretch, 15 goals for and just two against. Match number five. Still Europe, still Sunday. This time, spell Liga with a Y, if you would please. That's how they do it in Lithuania with their A Liga, which, by the way, is ranked to number 40 in Europe. And as such, they only get the minimum number of European bids. They're about three quarters of the way through the season. And even though they are in the bottom pretty much a quartile of Europe, They've got a great race going, and so we are going to focus on it. Number B, Hagelman, a team with which I'm not familiar at all. That's always fun. Versus number one, uh, this is a more traditional power, Zalgiris Vilnius, which still sounds like a Superman villain, like a cousin to Zod to me. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, Zalgiris Vilnius currently lead Hagelman by two, and they have four matches in hand. So, Hagelman to have really have any chance of going to the Champions League have got to get three points in this match because uh, Zalgiris Vilnius is going to be doing some catching up as they beat up on some other teams in the league. Hagelman, by the way, they lead number three, Panavicius, by three. So that team's not completely out of it. They've got a pretty good shot at a European berth of some kind. They've already played twice this season. At Hagelman's place, they drew 2-2 last time. When they played at Zalgiris Vilnius, 
the home team got a 2-1 win. Uh, they haven't had much of a series between them. Zalgiris Vilnius has uh, accrued uh, a record of 3-2-1 over the last couple seasons. Hegelman, this is a very young club, founded in 2009. Uh, they just joined the top flight last year, which is why I and perhaps we are so unfamiliar with them. They finished in fifth place last year, by the way. They are owned by a German shipping company called Hegelman Forward, uh, hence the reason you get the club name. They're actually playing out of the city of Kaunas, the second biggest city in the country. It's in the central, south central part of the country, city of about 300,000. Got a variety of industries, as any big city would, yet uh, they've really been attracting a lot of uh, IT security and electronic related uh, companies of late. So a lot more money flowing into this town. Who knows? Maybe that'll even somehow trickle its way into the soccer club. They've got the second-best offense, scoring almost two goals per match. Second-best defense, only giving up two every three matches. Hard to believe stats like those don't have them on top in some category, but that's what you get for you know playing Liz Algiris Vilnius, I get. Hegelman's got the second-best scorer in the league with 10 in Vilnius Armanovicius. I think I got that right. Plays midfielder for them, and he earned six national team caps last year. Team's current form, they are on a seven-match unbeaten streak. But two of the three most recent matches were draws and against very middling competition. This might be a team that's starting to va- uh, fade a little bit. I've got a hard time thinking that Zogiris Vilnius won't get a result of some kind. And speaking of them, Vilnius is the capital of the country. This is a team that's well inside the top 200 uh, club ranked in Europe. So not one of your, you know, they're never going to probably challenge for a Champions League title, but they're pretty darn good for this region. By the way, their club name celebrates the Battle of Grunwald. That's the German name uh, that they had against the uh, Polish, I believe it was in the Teutonic Wars, and I want to say the uh, late 1400s. Uh, by the way, the uh, Grunwald or, or Zalgiris, it translates to Green Forest. This team has won nine league titles, and they are your two-time defending champions. They just got kicked out of the Europa League and dropped down to the group stage of the Europa Conference League. They are the first Lithuanian team to make the group stage of any European competition. So even though they had to create a third one, hey, no sweat off our backs. Congratulations. They have been getting really close, to be perfectly honest, in the Europa League and not just this year. Uh, they've got almost identical stats. They're like one, they've gotten one more goal and conceded one less goal uh, than Hagelman. So these two are very much twins in that regard. They've got the second best scorer in the league, a Brazilian, singularly named Reynan, play center forward for them. Uh, if you're a really big Western European footy fan, there's a chance you may recognize his name. He played for a Portuguese Division I team, but not one of the better ones in the Primeira Liga called Gil Vicente. I think they're a bit of a yo-yo team. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one now in uh, their last three competitions. Feline ferocity, they demand a recap of last week's matches. Otherwise, why do we do this at all? Let's see how the high stakes ones turned out. Last week, match number one was a Friday match from Major League Soccer. Number six, LA Galaxy played host to number nine, Seattle, and they played a shootout all the way to a 3-3 draw. A bunch of people that we said were going to be involved got involved. LAFC, by the way, had the equalizer in the 92nd minute. For them, uh, Javi Hernandez, he stayed hot with an opening goal. Marco Delgado had an assist. For Seattle, Nick Lodairo, their star, he had one of the assists. And for Seattle, we said he'd been on a cool streak and needed to get off of it, and it helped them get a point. 
Raul Ruiz Diaz. He had a goal and an assist. This moved Seattle up to eight, by the way, and LA Galaxy stayed at number six at the time. Match number B from the AFC Champions League round of 16. It was BG Potum United taking on Kitchy, and it was the ties winning. Patum United won 4-0. Congratulations to them on advancing. Saturday match number three from the English FA Cup. The first qualifying round, Midhurst and Eastbourne. This is the second time we've been following them. Uh, they played Harefield United. We're going to keep following them until they lose. We've adopted them and they won 2-1. So yay them and kind of yay us in a way. Sunday match number four from the Women's Champions League in Europe. Round one final. They played in little bracketed groups of four. And it was Brand getting a road 1-3 win. The Norwegian team, who took on the one that we spotlighted, the Serbians of ZFK Spartak Zabotica. Tuesday, match number five from the AFC Women's Champions League. It was Gokulin Kerala that was supposed to take on Sagiana uh, Gizak, but that got canceled because the Indian FA has been suspended. Wednesday, match number six from the CONCACAF League round of 16. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Alianza out of El Salvador played host to Verdes, a team that we've been following and covered more than once. The lone entrance out of Belize. And kind of as we predicted, uh, Alianza followed up on their 0-2 road win with a 5-1 drubbing of the Green Machine at home. We congratulate them just the same on advancing. Boo. Okay, we don't really congratulate them. We wanted the Green Machine to win. Match number seven for the AFC Cup round of 16. Kuala Lumpur City absolutely took PSM Makassar from Indonesia to the shed with a 5-2 win. Man that we said to look out for. Uh, for Lumpur City. Paulo Josue had uh, goals number three and four in that match. Match number eight, the second leg of the two-legged tie from Europe's Men's Champions League, the playoff round. Trabzonspor and Copenhagen, they were our feature match. They played to a nil-nil draw, and that means Copenhagen advanced two to one on aggregate. That was the score of their first round match. Thusly, they are in the group stage and the event proper. Thursday, match number nine from the Europa League. Uh, again, playoff round, second leg of the two-legged tie. Heart of Midlothian took on Zurich. It was Zurich getting a nil-one win. They're having a crappy start to their league season, but they are doing great in international play. They advance 3-1 on aggregate. And then finally, for the Tertiary Club International Tournament in Europe, the Conference League playoff round, second leg. FC Twente took on Florentina. They played to a nil-nil draw. The Italians of Fiorentina, they advanced 2-1 on aggregate. And then bonus matches with your explanations coming later on the podcast when we do them again. The route of the week from the Belarus Premier League. BATE Borisov took on last place Dnepr number 16 uh, Mogilev. And it wasn't quite the route that we thought it would be, uh, but Bate did get the win 2-1. to one. Most meaningless match in the world from Honduras' Liga Nacional was to be between Cine Victoria and number 7 Honduras Progreso. Not sure why, but that match got postponed. But we still got our Honduran fix because you also voted for a Sunday match for the match of Disappointed. The two worst teams currently in Honduras uh, were number 9 CB Real Sociedad and number 10 Alonso. Alonso got a road win. 1-2, very surprising. That drops Real Sociedad down to number 10 and took Alonso all the way up to number 7. It's fairly early in their stage there. That concludes your recap of matches from last week. Now, let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number 6. 
Your weekend footy action is not done, and this time we go to a different confederation. We're headed off to Asia, specifically the Super League of Uzbekistan. We'd like to say once again that we like to hit all the soccer countries, big and small, but this has become a very big soccer country, and the Uzbek Super League is now climbed all the way up in the Asian coefficients to be the number four ranked league in this country. They're just over halfway through the season. This year, they'll get more next year or get a, a better allotment if next year. But right now, they get one of these teams, the champion, will get to start in next year's Champions League group stage. And then their second or third place finishers will have to start in the qualifying round. Your matchup, number one, Navbahor, playing host to number B, Pakhtakor. Navbahor currently lead by one. Pakhtakor, in turn, they are tied on the point, tied on points in the table with number three, Nasaf. And then maybe most importantly of all, they lead number four, Sogdiana, by just one point. Sogdiana have a match in hand on everybody, and that is a very good traditional team. So they're going to be right there till the very end, I believe, as well. As far as between these two, Pakhtakor won when they played earlier this season at their place, 1-0. Navbohor means new spring or early spring, depending on how you want to translate it. I like their crests. There are so many crests that look like this to varying degrees, and I enjoy them all. It's where you've got a great big bird you know, with its talons clutching the ball. I think it's supposed to be maybe landing, but I always like to imagine that the Team slogan should be, hey, that bird took our damn ball as if it's stealing it. But maybe that's just fun for me. Anyway, the team plays out of, I'm not sure if it's Namangan or Namanjan, but it's in the far, far east of the country, right near the uh, Kyrgyzstan border. City of maybe 500,000 people. A lot of light industry there, especially food processing related. It is also a real hotbed. If you follow World News, you'll already know this, perhaps of Islamic revival revivalism. A lot of Middle Eastern countries have set up both mosques and schools of their own there, and they're uh, very openly producing a lot of jihadists, like uh, the Wahhabi sect might be the biggest one. They're uh, based out of Saudi Arabia, I believe. Back to the footy. This team has won one league title and was not this century. It was 1996. They have not been as high as even third place in the table since 2004. Last year, they finished in sixth place. This year, that's about where their offense is ranked. They're getting things done on defense, only giving up a goal roughly every other match. And that gives them the third best goal differential. I don't think that this team is going to win the table, but I do think they're going to the Champions League next year. Tied for number five in league scoring for them is Zoran. Don't mess with him. Oh, wait, no, that was Zohan, the Adam Sandler movie. Anyway, Zoran uh, Murasic, if he doesn't make enough movie of this, maybe he could do what Adam Sandler's character did and work in a hair salon. Neither here nor there. Team's current form, uh, 12 matches they have remained unbeaten. The last nine, though, they've been alternating between win-draw, win-draw, and for them it's time for a draw in that pattern, which is why I think Pak Takor, one of the many reasons, can get at least a result, if not maybe a win specifically. They are known as the Lions, boo, but kind of secondarily to their actual name, Pak Takor translates to the cotton growers. In Soviet days, this was the only team from this country that uh, got to play in the Division I Soviet League. So they've been very good for a very long time. They play out of the capital city of Tashkent, they are your three-time defending champions. They have 11 other titles despite uh, outside of those particular three. Uh, they made the Champions League semifinal two different times, most recently 2002 uh, through 2004, those two back-to-back -back years. This year they played in the group stage of the CL, but they went winless for them, sadly. 
They've only got the fifth-best offense in the country going. Defense is a little bit better. They're giving up three goals every four matches, so they're very, very well-balanced, but not exactly dominant in either regard. So even though they would be my pick to win the league just based on recent history, uh, the stats say this is going to be close to the very end. I mean, they'll certainly make the Champions League. One guy who will be upset if they known is their veteran Serbian uh, attacker, 34-year-old Dragan Seron. Uh, the best club maybe he played for in all of Europe is Hapoel Haifa. Team's current form, they are 4-2-0 in their last six. Uh, they just gave up two goals in a draw at Sogdiana. I'm not sure how much we should read into that. That's a really tough road matchup. Match number seven. Okay, world-weary wanderers, you actually get two days off when we're tracking of the main 10 of these matches. We're going to fast-forward all the way to Wednesday for our next goodie, and it is our feature match from Major League Soccer this week, where they're about three-quarters of the way through the season. There were a ton of good matchups, including number one and two in the West, but I decided that with the season slowly starting to wind down, get towards the playoffs, it might be good to look at teams in the playoff race just trying to get it at all such as in the East, number seven, Columbus Crew, playing host to number six, Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami, they lead Columbus by one at the time I scouted it. Columbia, Columbia, Columbus rather, lead the New England Revolution and FC Cincinnati by just one. So it's going to be a fun case of musical chairs, probably down to the very end. Recent series between these two, uh, it's perfectly good. Their last two, perfectly even, I should say, 1-0-1 oh, for each. You can catch this on ESPN Plus, 7.30 Eastern Time. Columbus, which I keep trying to rename as Columbia, last year they finished in ninth place and missed the playoffs, which is a pretty big deal. This is a team used to success because they've won the title twice, and the more recent one was in 2020. The reason that they don't have a more secure playoff spot is pretty much because of their draws. They've got the most in the East. They can't quite get over the hump. They've uh, tied 11 times. Their offense has, uh, particularly because of earlier this season, really suffered. They're not even in the top half of the Eastern Conference. They only get one and a third goals per match on average, but their defense is in the top two, and their goal differential is in the top five. So I think this is a team that may not get to host a playoff game, but I believe that they are going to get in. Top 10 in assists in the league with 10, perhaps their best season-long offensive player, Lucas Zellerian, attacking midfielder, Argentinian form, uh, born rather, but he's actually been representing for Armenia internationally, and he's got some caps with them from 2021 on. Liga MX fans are very familiar with him as he spent four years with Tigres UANL before coming over here. Who's the man he's setting up? Well, more recently, it is their big acquisition uh, that they brought over in June, Juan Cucho Hernandez. You heard me say that Zellerayan was their best season-long offensive player. Hernandez already has eight goals. He's just been scoring at an absolutely cartoonish rate. He's from Colombia. He's playing striker for them. He's just 23 years old. Watford actually had the rights to him for a while, but he'd been on uh, loan with La Liga clubs for the most part. I'm a little bit surprised anybody in MLS, maybe other than one of the LA teams, could get him. What an absolute uh, grab for Columbus. Team's current form. Uh, they've had, uh, I don't want to say they're slipping, but they've gotten draws their last two matches and really largely against lesser competition. 
And now Inter-Miami, they're just in their third season, uh, kind of interesting side note for them. It's still being disputed, a legal case involving the name Inter. There are plenty of teams all over the world that use it, but a lot of them are smaller. But Internacional, that goes by Inter over in Italy, Serie A, sees a big enough threat from Miami that they are still uh, trying to sue them over it or in some sort of arbitration maybe with FIFA. Anyway, Miami finished in 11th place last year in the conference, did not make the playoffs. This year, I don't think this is this is a team that's going to do it. Their defense, they're giving up a goal and a half per match. And this late in the season, you kind of are who you are. And the offense is average at absolute best. They've even got a negative goal differential. I've got to think that this team is going to start sliding. Columbus is going to be a really interesting test. Uh, the best player that they have going on the year, in my opinion, is their attacking midfielder from Spain, Alejandro Pozuelo. Uh, he came over here this summer after three seasons with Toronto. Longest stint of his career, he actually was over in Europe. I believe it's a Belgian team, uh, Yank. But he's also done time with uh, Swansea City and Rio Vallecano of La Liga, although I'm pretty sure that they were in the second league when he played for them. He plays several positions, and that's really where his value is. He's all over the field. Because of that, he's got six goals and six assists. He's a very accurate passer, accurate shooter, and he creates tons of chances. Just hit the 50 mark in that particular statistical regard recently. Team's current form, they are 3-2-0 in their last five, and they have one, two straight. So despite the fact that I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, boy, I'm not sure I want to put any money on it. They are on a good hot streak. Match number eight. Our other Wednesday match takes us to South America for the only match this episode that won't directly involve teams in league play. Things are reaching epic stakes proportions in South America with the Copa Libertadores, their Champions League. They have reached the semifinal. The two teams, well, the four teams, will be playing two-legged ties, home and away each pair, for the right to play in the single-leg neutral site final. We're talking about Atletico Paranaense versus Palmeiras. Looks to be the more competitive of the two matches, two of the very best of the Brazilian teams, particularly Palmeiras. But... This is the time of show where we usually take a culture break, where Noob starts to get hungry. We will occasionally talk about art, architecture, folklore, music, but usually it is a recipe of some kind where one of the teams is, it happens to be from. This time, since this is the first leg of the two-legged tie, it's the perfect time. We'll have a chance next week or the week after, whenever it is they play next, to really talk about them more in depth. Right now, I want to talk about something called Verado, which is uh, more specifically known as Verado uh, Paulista, which, of course, is a reference to Sao Paulo in Brazil. And they have a whole cooked platter plate there that is something that has been uh, served on Mondays traditionally for a long time, but has a history that goes much, much deeper than that, all the way back into maybe the uh, 15th century, I would say, back when explorers were first coming over from uh, Europe. And at first they were going over to uh, look for interior native Brazilians to enslave, but eventually they became far more interested in uh, just exploring in general and specifically looking for gold and silver and other particular types of jewels or precious metals. And the types of foods that they would carry in their backpacks would eventually start to turn or mix, and that is what Verado means. And the way we're going to talk about Verado is the way they traditionally serve it, or one of the ways in Sao Paulo. And this dish gets served in some variety, they estimate, uh, 
500,000 different times every single Monday in the country. I'm not gonna start off like I usually do with a list of ingredients because there are a lot of different ones that have to be prepared a lot of different ways. So we're just gonna get straight into the cooking. Note, the order in which you would prepare these is particularly important if you want everything to kind of finish up at the same time. You're gonna start with tutu beans, more specifically just black beans. And then you're gonna saute onion and garlic in with them. When the onion is transparent, you add the beans and then you're gonna boil them for about 10 minutes. And that's gonna make sure that all the, uh, all the onions and the garlic blend in with those beans. A couple cups of water is what that's going to take. When you feel like they've bonded, add a cup of cassava flour. Now, you really wanna be super traditional, you can do corn flour. Once cassava or manioc flour was introduced to Brazil, that became uh, the more favorable kind to use for whatever reason. Stir continuously until everything takes the form of sort of a thick mush. Then you're gonna have your main meat ingredient, pork chops. You can season these with uh, lemon juice and of course salt and pepper to taste. Once you cook them, you wanna let them stand for an hour or once you season them rather. Then in a hot saucepan, you add your olive oil, fry the pork chops over low heat with the lid closed. That'll take about a half an hour. And these are uh, this is the direct accompaniment to that beans mix. And then sausages. Get it, go to an international market if you need to. Get uh, linguisas, that is pork cured with garlic and paprika. You're gonna cook the sausages in boiling water for 20 minutes or until they're just completely cooked. Cut into slices and then fry them until they're nicely roasted. Now we move on to plantains. You can add chocolate to these at the end, by the way, if you wanna keep them a little bit separate on your plate. But you're gonna slice them into rounds peel them, and then pass them through beaten egg. Then you're gonna roll the pieces through flour, then breadcrumbs, and then deep fry them in a hot oil. You can see where this uh, banana sort of thing and it's fried has a dessert sort of feel or texture to it, and hence the reason that it is not atypical to add chocolate. Now, eggs, you're also gonna serve eggs with this in a hot frying pan, you pour in a little bit of oil, put the eggs in. Traditionally, you're gonna serve these sunny side up. I'm not a messy yolk guy. I would probably go with fried hard, but that's just a noob sort of thing. If you like, you know, egg running all over everything, go for it. Sprinkle in some salt, cover the pan, drip water until it reaches the desired point, whatever you're gonna do with the eggs. Remove the stove and keep those in reserve. The eggs are the one thing here that will really sit and still serve nicely. And then something called torresmo, with which I was completely unfamiliar, Brazilian pork rinds. Slice your pork right into crackling strips, put baking soda in uh, boiling water, cook the pork rinds for about 20 minutes or until things get really, really foamy. After that, take them out, drain, uh, and then uh, fry them in a deep fryer, whatever you have on with the lid on. Really, really important. And then you can remove them from frying and just drain them in a colander or more specifically, probably paper towels. And then finally, I know this is not a vegetable with the best uh, reputation when it comes to taste, but it's really gonna add something to this dish. And that is kale. You can use cabbage leaves if you really, really want to, but I say mostly other than the egg preparation, just, you know, that I encourage you to stay traditional. Uh, you're gonna remove the stems and roll the leaves uh, and then with a sharp knife in your fingers, uh, so you can control the thickness, uh, chop the cabbage really, really finely. And then uh, in a hot saucepan, pour in a bit of oil and salt. You're gonna saute or braise these, these small cabbage strips. 
these need to be the last thing you do because you don't want to let them sit. That's where the bad taste starts to come in, I think. You want to make those last so as soon as it's done, you can plop it on top of everything else and it is ready to serve. And that is how you can make Verado Paulista. I hope that you will choose to go down your own rabbit trail sometime and find a version of a recipe that works best for this for you and try it out. Who knows? Maybe after we get to episode 100 in a couple weeks, we'll publish a noob cookbook or something. Match number nine. We move on to our two Thursday matches now. And I now realize that I was so darn hungry that I was not firing on all synapses apparently, because we do have another match that is not a part of league play. We're headed back to Europe for a group stage match. We're getting towards the very end for World Women's Cup qualifying in UEFA. All the teams that have, all the associations or countries that have submitted teams, they have divided those into groups of five or six teams each, and they're playing a double round robin home and away. The winners of each of the groups, they will advance on to the Women's World Cup. The number B finishers will advance on to a playoff round and have another chance to still qualify. Uh, basically, the top three second place finishers will have a bye in the playoff stage. And then the lower six second place finishers will all play a head to head for the right to play those other three. The match we're going to look at is out of group a Ireland versus Finland. Now there are two matches to go for each of these, even though they only have one match left to go, by the way, Sweden, uh, they've wrapped up number one. So the battle is on for second place. Sweden just absolutely ran away with it. Uh, Ireland is currently in seventh place out of the nine current second place finishers so that if they get into second place they'll still probably have to win uh, a couple more rounds just to get to the women's world cup here's how the table stands in the group ireland lead finland by one and then when they played earlier in the group stage ireland actually won one to two at finland and that head-to-head that is your first tiebreaker then they go into goals scored against one another head-to-head and by the way finland had absolutely got to get three points and on the road from this because they're going to Sweden next. And Sweden has been very, very naughty with just about everybody. They've been blowing most teams away. Playing host, Ireland. We will talk about the gals from there first. They are ranked currently number 16 in Europe and number 26 worldwide by FIFA. They have never qualified for a World Cup or for the Euros as far as the event proper, the group stage. In the group stage for this event, they went 3-2-1 with an astounding 24-4 goal differential. Uh, They are second to Sweden in both of those statistics, but actually not by very much. I don't want to say they're getting close to as good as Sweden, but we're seeing a little bit more parity with a few of these teams like Ireland, one of the reasons that we chose this particular match. Players to focus on, well, their captain and best player certainly is Katie McCabe. She plays anywhere on the left side, all the way up as a pressing winger to all the way back, sitting back on defense as a uh, left side back. Uh, Currently, she plays for Arsenal. She's on the scoring leaderboard for this event with seven, so clearly they've been playing her a bit more forward. And while she can score, her actual best attributes on the field tend to be dribbling and helping set up the offense and then getting back on defense, and she is very physical and has a high tackle percentage success rate. And we have a USA connection in Denise O'Sullivan, a midfielder. She plays currently for the NWSL's North Carolina Courage. 
while during her tenure there, she has won titles with them in 2018 and 19. With Ireland, she has earned almost 100 national team caps, and she is their most experienced midfielder. Uh, she also played for Houston. I like her nickname. She's known as Junkyard. She's a big playmaker, but also win- works really hard to win the ball back. I gather that she's not the most technical player, but just just absolutely sheer tenaciousness. As far as the team's current form, they have won two straight, this competition and friendly. Uh, Before that, they earned a 1-1 draw at Sweden. So whether they make the World Cup or not, that is really something that they can build on. And now Finland, your definite underdogs. They are known as the Boreal Owls specifically. They are ranked number 19 in Europe, number 29 worldwide by FIFA. They've never qualified for a World Cup before, but unlike their counterparts today, they have qualified for the group stage of the Euros. 2005 was the first time they ever did so, and that was their best appearance. In fact, they made it all the way to the semifinals. Uh, They made two more appearances before missing out last year. Uh, In the 2022 group stage for the Euros, they went winless, sadly. They only managed one goal, gave up eight. This event, they are doing a lot better, particularly on offense. They don't have the offense probably to keep up with Ireland, but they've gone 3-1-2 in the group stage with a 14-6 goal differential. Team event leading scorer, the gotta look for, uh, with three goals already, is Adelina Engman. She plays for Hamarby, one of the pretty good clubs over in Sweden. She has also done time with uh, Chelsea and Montpellier. And we have another USA connection. A gal who plays for Portland is a defender, Natalia, I'm going to pronounce it Kuika, K-U-I-K-K-A. Uh, she won a title with Florida State, and she was the NCAA Division I Player of the Year, her senior year when they did that. This team's current form, they lost three straight matches in the Euros and then two friendlies before that. Admittedly, though, all against very, very tough competition. So while Ireland are your favorites, I would not count Finland completely out by any stretch. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And we finish off back close to home in CONCACAF. We're going to look at the Liga Nacional in Honduras which right now, according to Kick Algorithms, is the number three ranked league in CONCACAF. They have taken over uh, Costa Rica's spot. They're still not particularly close to Mexico in their coefficients, though. In any event, the top two matchup is number B, Matagua, playing host to number one, CD Olympia. And this is known as the Super Classico. It's very early in the Apertura stage there, but... Uh, number one versus number B will always have a noob's attention. Right now, here's how the table looks. Uh, Olympia lead Matagua by two. Matagua, in turn, lead number three. CD Vida by five on goal differential. They're actually tied on points. Again, it's early, but it's still very, very exciting and dramatic. Uh, by the way, both of these teams have a match in hand on the number three and number four teams. So it might turn into a two-horse race before too long. Three points here could end up going a very, very long way. And uh, by the way, the series between these two, Olympia, they are your more established power. They have accrued over the years a 27-32 and 16 record. But we will start by talking about the club named Matagua, which is not named for a city or state, but in this case, a nearby river. They actually play, as do their opponents, in the capital of Tegucigalpa. They are known as the Blue Cyclone, one of my favorite nicknames, even though it is kind of color-oriented. That's okay. They're also known as the Eagles. Anything is better than Lions. They have won 18 league titles in the past. Uh, The 2021-22 Clausura stage, the last completed stage that they competed in, they finished in fourth place in the regular season, but then they went off 
and won the playoffs. So this is a team that is absolutely red hot. The CONCACAF League, the feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League, they have finished in second place three different times in the last four years. They've never been able to quite host the trophy, hoist the trophy, but that has always been good enough to get them into the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, they made the quarterfinals, by the way, back in 2007, 2008 for that event. Best they've ever done. Uh, more recently, they tend to go out around the round of 16. To advance in that event, they just recently beat Saibo 3 or Seabow, rather, from the Dominican Republic, 3-0 on aggregate. That was in the round of 16, so they're doing quite well. They're next going to face Taro over in Panama. But let's get back to talking about their league play. They've got the number one offense by quite a bit. They're scoring almost three goals per match. They've got a top three defense to go with that. Good overall for the number one goal differential. Tied for second best in league scoring so far with three is Roberto Moraiwa. He is a 35-year-old veteran from Paraguay. Uh, teams current form, they have won four straight matches across all competitions, and they are unbeaten in league play. And now, boo, the Lions. There was a reason I brought that up earlier. Of Olympia. They were actually founded well over a century ago, but not as a football club, as a baseball club, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, they also play in the capital city. In fact, they play in the same stadium as Matagua, which I believe also serves as the national stadium. Established power indeed. Uh, they haven't won any since 2011, but this is a team that has 34 league titles and they're always floating around near the top. They won the Champions League one time, or at least what is now called the CONCACAF Champions League, back when the format was much, much different, uh, back in 1972 and then again in 1988. They last made the CONCACAF League after the 2008-2009 season and they got as far as the group stage. The last completed league stage that they finished, that 2021-22 Clausura, they got all the way to the playoff semifinal. Their offense is uh, very average at best, but they've only allowed two goals in five matches, so they've got the second-best overall goal differential. If they can control the pace, i like them to get a result here. Uh, if they do get any offense, it'll likely be at the feet of a different veteran, 35-year-old uh, league number B scorer, Jerry Bankston. He's about the longest stretch of his early career. Here's a whatever-happened-to moment for Revs fans. Yeah, he was with New England for a long time. And he's also been playing quite a bit of international ball. He's got 65 national team caps. Team's current form, uh, they just earned a 1-1 draw in their last league match, but they are undefeated so far, still in league play. Uh, they just beat Municipal out of Guatemala in the CONCACAF League round of 16. And they're next going to get a game that I think they'll be able to win fairly handily, a two-legged tie against Dirion Hen from Nicaragua. That's one of the lower teams uh, in Central America as far as how they rank. They're one of the only league associations that only sends two teams. So all that is to say that I don't think that the Lions of Olympia are going to have to put all their eggs in that basket, and I don't think they'll do all that much rotation. They will be playing all their best players in this very critical road match. Bring forth the bonus matches! Uh, perhaps my favorite part of the podcast, because you, dear listener, have had a chance to have a say what the content's going to be. Soccer Noob USA is my handle on Twitter. And at the beginning of most every week, I put up polls with the candidate matches for these very three quirky games. You vote. Magic content gets made. It is dreamy. The first one is a first versus last place matchup. We dramatically call the... 
route, 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 of, 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 the week, 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 week. And speaking of Nicaragua, you voted for a Sunday match from there, from their Primera División, where they are in uh, the Apertura stage. Uh, as I mentioned before, this is not one of the strongest Central American or CONCACAF leagues. In fact, in CONCACAF, they would rate probably just outside the top 10. The Dominican Republic, for example, are right ahead of them, I would say. Uh, the stage, uh, the Apertura stage, is just over half over. Uh, last year, this team sent a team to the CONCACAF League, the champion, and then one team got relegated and one team had to fight for their lives to stay up in this division by playing a relegation playoff match. So stakes for everyone, including for last place, number 10, Municipal Jalapa. They are playing host to number one, Sport Sabacal. Um, as we will discover, I don't think that Sport Sabacal are probably the best team in this league, but... They're in first place right now. We're happy to talk about them. Sabacal, they lead number B, Real Esteli, by two, but they have played two more matches than both the number B and number three teams in the table. So they're not going to be falling asleep here. They're going to be looking for three points on the road at last place, Municipal. By the way, uh, Municipal Jalapa that uh, or Jalapa, that team, uh, its city is on the north-central Honduran border. Uh, it's a city of about 75,000. And if you're a fan of world events and history, uh, back in the 1980s, uh, this is where a lot of that business with the CIA-funded Contras was going on. Uh, where they kept trying to uh, uh, pay them to help overthrow the government. The club was founded in 2011 after Deportivo Jalapa dissolved. 2012-13, this team won both stages in the second division and got promoted. And I believe that's the only trophy that they've hoisted in their uh, just over a decade of existence officially in their current form. Last stage, the 2021-22 Clausura, they finished in seventh place. This year, their offense actually isn't that terrible. It's, it's uh, borders on average, but they've got the worst defense, giving up right about two goals per match. If they're going to win, they're going to have to score. And on the scoring leaderboard with three for this team is Bernardo Lariro from Uruguay. Plays midfielder for them. He's basically spent almost his entire career with various teams in Nicaragua. This team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. So a glimmer of hope. They're playing a little bit better ball lately. Uh, their only win was three matches ago. And now Sport Sebacal, they play out of the city of Matagalpa, which is only the seventh biggest city even in that country. It's maybe just over 100,000 people, but it is a very important city. It's the largest one in the interior of the country, kind of in the northwest-ish central part of the country. Uh, the meaning, uh, it's got a couple of possibilities. Some say that it means uh, big or head down. Head town, rather, in the Matagalpa indigenous language. Others say that there's a broader uh, language at play and that it means let's go where the rocks are. You know, why not? Rocks could be fun. This area, uh, largely uh, the economy is based on its food products and the uh, ecotourism, which is based on the mountains that are there. They get spring-like weather all year round, so feel free to take a visit anytime. Uh, this team got promoted uh from the second division just last year. they have uh, been a bit of a yo-yo team over the years, which is why I'm not too familiar with them. Uh, last stage, the cluster last year, they finished in sixth place. This year, they've got the number one offense in the league, but it's a pretty low scoring league, at least right now. They're only getting one and a third per match. 
Uh, they only give up two goals every three matches on average, yet that only puts him in third place. But overall, it's good for the number one overall goal differential. So I'm not ready to hand over this league to one of the two teams with two matches and hand on them just yet, especially if they can get the three points on this match day that they are likely to. Uh, number one league scorer is theirs to boast of in Luis Galeano, native to the country. He's got eight goals, spent four years earlier in his career with a more established team in Real Esteli. So he's bringing his leadership over to this one now. Teams forming their last three, one, one, and one, and they just had a scoreless draw, which I wouldn't read too much into. That was at a very good Dirion Hen team. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Oh, so existentially devoid of all meaning, and yet we celebrate with song, and why not? Well, actually, there are plenty of reasons why not to. It's a meaningless match, and the one you have voted for is from Major League Soccer, a Saturday match between expansion team Charlotte and Toronto, two teams that are uh, well below the halfway point in the Eastern Conference, and yet uh, they're about equidistant between last place, thankfully for them there's no relegation, or making the playoffs. They're not going to catch a sniff of that. Uh It's so meaningless. In fact, I'm not even going to give you a full mini preview. Let's just talk about some really non-interesting facts about Charlotte. Charlotte is just over 300 square miles in size geographically, making it the number 26 largest city in the United States. Exciting? Not really. Also, they've got a South Park neighborhood. Uh, They spell it uh, without a space in the middle. That's probably so you don't get it confused with South Park, the television show based out of Colorado. If you were to visit the South Park neighborhood in Charlotte, you would find that instead of full of little cartoony, badly drawn kids, that it is a very Hispanic neighborhood. And, at least as of 2020, unless they shorted it up, one of the biggest weather radar gaps in the world exists in this city. So if you uh, if you have a real big problem with, uh, let's say, uh, hurricanes or I suppose even tornadoes, potentially bad weather in general, this may not be the place for you because there's a very good chance based on where different weather radars are located. There's a large piece of this major metro area that gets their warnings very, very late. So not entirely meaningless to the people who are there, but quite meaningless when it comes to this football game. You're welcome. And now it is time for match number 13, the true end of our podcast road. This is the match of... Disappointed! And as always, we are going to end on a match between two last place teams from some top domestic flight. Who would have ever thought that Swedish women could be disappointing it? Yet somehow there are 22 or so of them that have managed it. The two worst teams from the Allsvenskan, the top flight in Sweden for the gals. That match is going to be played between... Broma Poikarna and AIK. Uh, the first disappointed thing is that I don't understand their name. Uh, Broma Poikarna translates to the Break Boys, B R A K E, and Broma Poi, P O J, if I'm saying it right, by the way, uh, literally translates to Break Pad. So I don't know if there's a corporate sponsorship in here in play or what, but uh, Broma actually is. Uh, a borough in Stockholm. And in fact, it's one of the richest areas in the entirety of the Stockholm metro and probably the country. Uh, Brahma is dotted with tiny little forests, parks, and lakes, including uh, the uh, 
Udar Skogan Nature Reserve. Well, this doesn't sound that disappointing. This all sounds very, very nice if you can afford it. Uh, the Nature Reserve is surrounding Lake uh, Yudam uh, and the parks around the uh, Akishov Castle and the uh, Ov Sunda Castle. Hard to say, but that's more disappointing on my part. Are supposed to be very, very lovely. And then you've got the uh, famous Brahma Church. It's one of the most distinguished uh, Romanesque churches in the entire region. Who did my research for the match of Disappointed? This place sounds awesome. Don't make me start laying people off. That would be very disappointing as well. Uh, this church in particular is uh, celebrated for its complete scheme of whole wall paintings by the late medieval artist Albertus Pictor. So I'm not going to give you anything about the game. And in fact, I guess other than the name of the uh, home team, I'm not going to give you anything uh, really disappointing in nature about this particular match. But hey, you know what? That's sometimes how we can roll. And even though the borough of Brahma sounds like a very posh and nice area, we will still whisk their nasty club away in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. boo. Waldorf, Statler, thank you much for your bile and vitriol. This has been episode 98 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Yeah, that's really how we're going to end it. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan the Interno Inferno for all of his continued inspiring and creative efforts. Of course, to my dear daughter and co-host Person Noob. Mwah. Thank you so much. I love doing the show with you. And thank you finally to, of course, you the listener. You're who we do it for. We appreciate that you found us. If you really enjoyed us as a change of pace and liked learning about the world and the world of soccer, we hope that you will pass this on to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, I hope that you will have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.